This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You need to put in, usually you'll, you'll start to see the change that you so desperately Thank you. Okay. Adam, someone asked for tips on how to make time for each other when both work late. When both work late? So I think every relationship is unique and there's no there's no strong answer for this, which is like from eight to nine, this is what you should do. I'll give you what I think. Again, this is what works for me. I think, you know, adapt this for your own family. I think that there are different levels of contact with your with your family. Okay, I'll call it different levels. I think number one is I like to think that initial contact is super important. So it's really important that when you walk in the door, nobody's on the phone and nobody's distracted. And I use the word distracted in a very generic sense. And distracted to me is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Meaning to say distraction is not a bad thing, but it means like a real, again, if you're on the phone with your lawyer, you're distracted. If you're on your phone with your kid's teacher, you're distracted. Unless you're really focused on your family, then you're distracted. That's the way I interpret distraction. So very simply, a person has to make sure that the initial contact is there. Usually if you put in 15 to 20 minutes, again, what usually happens is that your 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 family's emotional batteries start to charge up. Doesn't mean it's going to stay charged, but usually their needs, their needs are going to be somewhat in a normal range for the rest of the evening. I think that there has to be daily contact with each member of your family for a small amount of time, maybe five minutes, seven minutes, but there has to be something where it's one-on-one and a little bit more, I'll call it exclusive. I think that that's absolutely necessary. I think it starts with the spouse, but sometimes it's not feasible to do with the spouse, especially if you're both coming home and the kids have to go to sleep, whatever, but it has to be on your calendar as being a priority over anything else. So I think that that's, really in, in a nutshell how it works and then i always suggest couples go to sleep at the same time a lot of times i hear from couples like oh i go to sleep at three in the morning i'm always going to sleep at eight o'clock and i i think that those schedules are just not healthy in general but who am i you know to say but i think that it would be a good idea if people went to sleep at the same time and in general i think if you put in on a daily basis what you need what you'll find is that your family's emotional needs will not feel overwhelming and whenever i hear people say oh if I did that, it would never work. It's only because you never tried it. If if you think your family needs five, six, seven hours, that's fantasy land. Nobody gets that unless you're like in Shanari, China and you're both in Kailan. It, it doesn't happen. It's not reality. So that relationship that feels overwhelming, the person's needs feel overwhelming. It's probably because their needs are not being met. And I don't want to go off on a tangent here, the concept of paspasale, but that's what it is. When a person feels my spouse has me in mind, my spouse, I know we're talking tonight at eight o'clock, we're going out for a quick walk, we're going out for a coffee, we're going out to eat. We're, we're just sitting in the other room and we're chatting away from the kids. Like we just have some time to decompress and share our day and how it's going. Then usually people are like, I'm, I'm good. For the rest of the night, usually people are good. So again, every person has to figure it out. Um, I like to think that nurses have probably the hardest schedule. Whenever people tell me that they're a nurse, I always say like, that's like working three nights a week, like overnight shift, 12 hour things. 
those are very, very hard. It's very hard. Like your whole your whole schedule is just not congruent. But even so, you have to figure out how to sit down, put a pen and paper, write down your schedule, write down your spouse's schedule, and then figure out where do we where do we bisect? Yeah, where do we meet each other multiple times a week, not for four minutes, more than four minutes? Where does that happen? And if you do that, then you'll see your relationship grow. And if you just don't have time for that, then it's just it's just simply not gonna work. And it's it's not anybody's fault and it's nobody's blame. And I think this is where people start to go off on tangents. So it's his fault, so it's her fault, it's the boss's fault, everybody's angry at everybody. It's not about whose fault it is. It's a simple, it's a simple understanding that when you water the grass, the grass is green. When you charge your phone, the battery is full, everything works. And when you put time into your relationship, real meaningful time into your relationship, you find that your relationship will grow. You'll find that your spouse's needs will not be so so fetchy. They won't be so heavy. They won't be so needy, so naggy because they're actually being met. So if you're both come home late, so figure out how do we, maybe then you have to settle the kids. But I, I think that any relationship that feels like it's constantly rushed or it's constantly like, okay, we have 30 seconds. It, it doesn't really mean much. It's not real quality. It's not real quality. And maybe the answer is in the morning. Maybe the answer is for this couple before they go off to work, that they spend some time together. There are couples that do that. There are couples that sit in the morning, seven in the morning, they drink coffee, and then they go off. Great. If, you, if you're that kind of couple, ashracha, that's what works for you. But the idea of just checking in like on a Shabbos when everybody's falling off their feet or whatever, I, I just find that that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. I also think that a person should be predictable in their schedule, meaning the same way your spouse knows a lot about you, they should know what your schedule is. They should know what time to expect you. So it's not like, well, you no, know, you don't understand. My job is different. I could come home at 5 o'clock, I could come home at 10 o'clock. Fine, so you could still communicate during the day. Tonight, my time for you will be at 10 o'clock. I'm coming home at 10, and here's when I would love to spend time with you. If you do that, your spouse won't mind, usually, that you're coming home at 10 o'clock. But when it's all over the map, and they don't feel like they're really a priority because everything else is pulling you, then they're going to pull back. And that's what happens in most relationships. When one party pulls back, the other party pulls back. So if your spouse feels like, you can't make time for me because you have your boss and your your all your things that you have going on and your business, all these things that are very important, but they're more important than me, then I'm probably going to pull back because all those things are a priority, but I'm not a priority. Whereas if the person is made to feel like they are a priority, then usually they'll be allowing anything else to become a secondary quote unquote priority. So I think that that's the model, but everybody has to fit it into their own marriage according to whatever works for them. Yeah. Of course, like spouses are come before kids, but sometimes kids' needs need to be met before the spouse. Like, how do you show your spouse, like when you're taking care of your kids, that they come first, but like you're taking care of the kids' needs? Of course, like a lot, like a, a spouse will usually be normal and realize that, but sometimes they come home from a really hard day, they need you, and you're like torn between. Yeah. So the start, kids and... let's start with the attitude. Meaning to say, let's assume spouse comes home. Let's paint the scenario here. Okay, both spouses come home at six thirty, and they pick up their let's call it their their newborn, and it takes them a half hour to put their newborn to sleep. And the newborn gets picked up at six fifteen and needs to go to sleep at six thirty. They all come into the house at the same time: a newborn, a mother, and a father. And now, whose needs get met first? The answer is, of course, going to be the newborn because the newborn has to go to sleep and it's going to be screaming its brains off. You're not going to be able to have a normal conversation, anyways. But the ten seconds that you take to turn to your spouse and go wow, I really missed you today. Can't wait to spend time with you. 
I'm just going to do bedtime. And then I'd love to sit down and hear about your day and hear how you're doing. That shows your spouse that that's your priority. Now, what that does is, of course, the newborn is now going to take precedent because it's 630. The baby has to go to sleep. But now when something else challenges that, all of a sudden, spouse like, oh, my time with my spouse is Kedosh Kedoshim. It doesn't just get moved around now from everything. It's set. Now, today, the baby had to go first, and therefore it's true. And tomorrow, the fifth grader came home and he was bullied, so he needs you to sit down with him for five minutes. But the fact that you want to sit down with your spouse should be apparent to everybody in the, in, in the house. It should be something that's so clear. Of course, mommy and papi and daddy, whatever you want to call them, want to sit down and talk to you. Oh, they're going to the, the other room to sit down and talk? That's their time. That that should be so so clear to everybody. So you're right in terms of like what comes first chronologically. Yeah, your job may come first because you have to go to your job at nine in the morning, and your spouse is in yeshiva, so you didn't have a chance to see him that day. That's true, but that doesn't mean that you want to be at your job more than you want to be with your spouse. So I think that a lot of this is really an attitude, and the attitude gets played out in showing that it actually will be filled every single day, meaning I will actually put in the time as a real priority every single day. It's not going to get just knocked around by everything that happens. I'll give you a simple litmus test when you're with your spouse and your phone starts ringing, right? What happens then? How often do you like go, oh, it's my friend, Shandy. She wants a recipe. Very nice. She's calling you. But what is her coming into this time now that's exclusive for your husband? And I'm not saying that your marriage should just be like this bubble where you sit for eight hours just looking into each other's eyes and telling, you know, fortune telling. That, that's not what marriage is about. But it's having like a real 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day where you're actually talking. You're having like a real meaningful conversation where there's expression, where you're sharing your day. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where there's like a safe space to talk and schmooze and feel like we connected and we bonded as opposed to the way most people are where it's like running and people throwing pans of food at each other and it's like you're eating while you're running and everybody's running and the kid's going to sleep and your chavrus is calling. That time is not called quality time. That time is not considered bonding time. It's like, how was your day? Oh, it was good. And then closing it, I'll tell you later. And then like come Shabbos, you're like, oh my gosh, it's so much to tell you this week. I can't even remember. By that point, you're so overloaded with like stuck emotions that usually you're going to get into a fight because I didn't get to talk to you about this. I made this decision on my own. I, you did this on your own. We lived our life on our own for the whole week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. your smoke alarm is going to go off. That our marriage is on two different planes. That's what happens. When your spouse makes a decision without you, that's going to be hurtful to you. But when you have no time to make a decision together to talk it through, then what, what's going to happen naturally, right? You're going to feel it. You're going to be like, what? You told them you're going to do this. You signed their baby up for next year playgroup there. I thought we were doing another place. We didn't talk about this. All the things that go into disconnection are going to happen when you don't have the time. If you have the time, you spend the time, so then you feel like you're living one life. There's some couples I tell them, if you want to be smart, check in with each other every two to three hours during the day. Just check in. It takes 10 seconds. It takes 30 seconds. You can you know, send a voice note to each other. But I you to know this is what happened today. This is what I'm doing. I just stepped out of a client. I was just thinking about you. I can't wait to whatever. Oh, I'm picking this up from the store. Do you need anything? Live your life as one. I know this sounds like I'm setting like such a high bar, but it's so easy. It's so easy to keep your spouse's like batteries full. If you want to view this like visually, to me, it's like you have a phone and you're making sure that like 
your battery percentage is never dropping below 90%. Like it drops to 90, you check in, boom, it's at 100. You check in, it's at 100. You check in at 100. Whereas most people, it's at zero. And then they're like trying to just like boost it just to get it turned on. You know, it's like, oh, we're dead. Could you give me five seconds of your time? You know, like to me, the visual, that's how most people are living their life. And it's so sad. It's so sad because the person's right in front of you. And it's so much more enjoyable to live your life where you're not constantly struggling to get your spouse's attention. You just know it's there on a daily basis. You're not constantly getting your emotions stuck. I don't know about you. I get my emotions stuck sometimes. Like I feel like, like I have to talk something through. I have to be able to like get it off my head. Can't talk it through in 10 seconds. You, you know what I'm saying? It's not a USB. This is not like copy and paste. You have to like talk it through. You have to be heard. You have to be listened to. These are natural emotions that I think every one of us has. So the ability to like know that it's there and give you that like, okay, I'm settled in my brain. I know that I'm going to have it. I, I think that that's just such an, an integral part of marriage that unfortunately, most people are getting four minutes a day of that. What could you do with four minutes? It's like, right? Yeah. It's not a question. It's a statement. <laughs> it's an accusation. <laughs> it's a confession. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wish the spouses who need to hear this would be listening. Unless, let me change the dynamics, and then hopefully you will copy my language of the desire to spend time together, et cetera. Yeah, that's a good point. So first of all, you definitely can share this share um, <laughs> with with somebody that you think that you think will benefit from it. Um, that's for sure. But I, I I will say that I do think a big part of this, if you're looking to create a marriage like this, comes from a person. I'll call it like channeling this into their marriage or channeling this into their life. So if you say to your spouse, "Hey, um, you know, I know you're coming home tonight at seven. I know you have your kavrusa at eight. You know, can we go for a walk from 7 to 7.15? Or I'll make sure the kids are sleeping, whatever. Can we go from 7.30 to 8? Yeah? Like, if you're able to, if you're able to um, channel this into your relationship, if you're able to bring this into your relationship, I think most people would be genuinely happy. You know, who is happy with four minutes a day from the person they invest their entire everything into? That That's crazy to me that doesn't make any sense to me it just doesn't make any sense you know like we invest our entire lives into a person we're crazy about this person after we date them you know like when we get engaged to them when we introduce them to our family and then somehow over the next like few months or years we just grow so distant from them that it's like i'm throwing you a bone by sending four minutes with you never that's so sad I think that marriage has so much more potential, so much, it's, it's like a nuclear energy that could be unlocked if a person's willing to spend actual real time invested in the relationship. So yeah, I think if, if, if a spouse is not, if, if a couple does not have this, I would challenge you to try to have a serious conversation about your spouse. Don't be accusing, nothing like that. Just simply say, I would like to spend 15 minutes with you. That's it. Can we make this these 15 minutes work? Does this work for you? Most of the time, your spouse is going to think you're either going to complain about something that they did or you're going to accuse them of something that they did. They're going to be like shocked, like, like what did I do wrong? They didn't do anything wrong. Just want to spend time with the person. Just want to hear about their day. Oh, tell me about your day. What did you do? Don't chew their ear off. Don't be heavy. Don't be accusatory. Don't bring up like old issues. Just quality, enjoyable time with the person, right? How many people go on a date with a person? You go on, you want to be light. You want to be eerie. That's what you want. 
I think people get into like this heavy mode. Like after we get married, it's like too much, too much. Person's batteries get overloaded. So if a person does not have that in the relationship, it would be a very good idea to introduce this idea to their relationship. Yeah. Live question. All right. Yeah. Hi. First of all, thank you so much for your shirim. Amazing. Absolutely. Um, thank you for joining. Uh, my question is, um, first of all, I love that comparison. If you're investing, just like you're investing in your children, um, but that's more natural as opposed to on that same level, investing in your marriage. Um, but I love that. Um, the question is, how is it like that balance of if my husband checks in on me, how sometimes I feel intrusive, like, how is it like, what would it look like if you're checking in on your spouse and not in an intrusive way? So that's a great question. I think if it's, if it's done without having a prior conversation as to what's going on, it might be like, what, what is your end goal here? Like, what, what are you trying to, what are you trying to do? Like, you know, it sounds like you're spying on me. So I, I agree that it, it's, it should be something that's properly discussed, but if a person doesn't, let's assume that you do have the conversation and then your spouse just says, you know, Hey, you know, it's been a few hours since I saw you. I just wanted to see how your day is going literally just like that, you know, or you just on your own proactively reach out to your spouse and just say, Hey, I just want you to know, you know, this is how I spent the last couple hours. I'm thinking about you and I hope you're doing great. You know, whatever. I think that that, that idea literally just starts to sew your day together. My muscle that I always say for marriage, it's like two fabrics that are being sewn together, which ultimately, if you have enough stitches, those two fabrics appear as one. Those stitches are the interactions between a husband and a wife. So if there are enough of those stitches, they're not monumental. They don't cost a lot of money. But if there's enough stitches, you have a really strong bond between two units becoming one new unit. So... You're right. If it's just totally out of the blue, you're going to be like, what are you accusing me? Like, what are you suspecting me? You know, like, what are you, what are you asking? What are you really asking? But if it's a conversation of this is the kind of marriage I would like, or, you know, yesterday I was thinking about you. Would you mind if I just check in during the day tomorrow just to see how your day is going? Or what time are you eating lunch tomorrow? Maybe we could talk for two minutes. Or just like a simple, I just want to have a stitch, just another point of connection throughout our day doesn't have to be every hour, but if it's two, three times a day, maybe two times, again, depending on what you're both comfortable with, I think that you'll find. And by the way, a lot of times it doesn't even have to go both ways. Let's say your spouse is very busy and you just tell them, I don't, I don't even need a response. I just want, I want to share with you what I did today, or I just want to check in and just leave you a nice note, just telling you I'm thinking about you. Even that, by the time you come home, you feel so, so wanted. You feel so cared for. You feel like somebody actually, like they're living their life, but they're thinking about me. You're not in your own world. I once heard somebody say, he said that, you know, whatever his wife's name was, he said he was learning a Gemara and he was like reading a Gemara and the Gemara had a name in the Gemara. And he was like, oh, that sounds so familiar. And then someone said to him, that's your wife's name. He's like, oh yeah, that's my wife's name. Oh, that's my wife's name. Like it took him a second to realize that that was his wife's name. Now, okay, I'm not saying he should be thinking about his wife when he's learning, right? Maybe he should, maybe he shouldn't. 
But he said it was like he was so startled by the fact that like he was literally looking at his wife's name and he's like, oh, my wife. Oh, I wonder how she's doing. Now, again, if you're in yeshiva, you should focus on the Gemara. You shouldn't focus on your wife. But how many people are living in their own tunnel vision world throughout the whole day? And then they come home and then they take them like an hour to decompress from the whole day. So when they're with their spouse, they're not really emotionally or, you know, mentally with their spouse. So the idea here is that you throughout the day, you're just showing your spouse. I thought about you for a second. Set an alarm every two hours just to send your spouse a text. I'm thinking about you. And if you got can it I just, um, day, I think it would make you feel good. Can I just clarify? Let's say, right? So my husband will call me during the day. Where are you? I'm in the grocery. Which grocery? And I felt like I was inter- being interrogated. You know what I mean? As opposed to I should have just answered him and not been so. But it was, he was trying and I wasn't receiving. Yeah, so it was an 100%. interesting. Yeah, he was I trying. He was I'm definitely here. trying. He was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I would say I'm here in this grocery, wherever it is. And. And is there anything I can get you? You know, mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like? A hundred percent. It sounds like it sounds like somebody's trying to give and somebody's resistant to that giving. But if you, if I'll, again, I use the word channeling. If you make it what you want it to be, which is that it's not intrusive and that it's a point of connection between the couple, then you just created such a, a beautiful bond where your shopping now has meaning. Your shopping now shows your husband that I'm thinking about you and I'm caring. I'm caring for you. As opposed to before, you went in, you got something for yourself, and then you came home. And maybe you even were thinking about him, but now he knows you're thinking about him. So, yeah, I would definitely encourage you to take the opportunity throughout your day to do that. And, again, I think you're also touching on something which is really important, which is so often people have opportunity to think of their spouse. You know, I'll I'll give you a small example. My father was just by a client, and on the way out, out of the client, he noticed that the client had like these cute toys for like little kids. So he said to the client, oh, like, what are these things? So the guy said, oh, do you want them? So, like as a joke, like my father's, you know, <laughs> like these two cute little Mickey Mouse things. My father said, yeah, I'd love this for my grandchildren. So the guy said, oh, go ahead, take it. So he, my father picked up these things and he brought, he came straight to my house and he dropped it off for my twins. Right. Very cute. He's at a client. He's an accountant. He's focused on tax returns. But for a second, he thought of my children. It's very meaningful. It means you like took a split second when you saw these two Mickey Mouse toys and you thought of somebody else and then you brought it straight to their house. That's that's love. That's connection. As opposed to so many people that they live their, their life with so many opportunities to connect with their spouse, to offer their spouse something, and those opportunities just come and go because their spouse is not even on their mind. It's just, I hope they don't bother me. So yeah, I think you're, you're bringing up a very important point, which is, if your spouse is trying to have that marriage, then jump on that opportunity because they're offering you, I'm connecting in with you and then reciprocate. Great. What can I do for you? What can I get for you? Like take your, de- take your defenses down and usually you'll, you'll find that you'll create a different type of bond throughout your day. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.